As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Hey, I'm Pastor Tim, and this is my wife, Tracy, and we serve at the St. Charles location for High Point. One of the many things that we love about High Point is uh, just their love and heart for the community and outreach and just really pouring out to those outside of the church walls. We're in a series called Life Verses where we've been looking to God's Word to say, hey, what is our life verse during this season? Where, Where do we need to look for hope in Scripture during this time? A verse that has been very meaningful to us is Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And that's a verse that means so much to us because, you know, we decided to move here and plant a church in the midst of a pandemic, which is not an easy task. And we've been constantly confronted with the question, God, do do we trust you? And that's been what we've been hearing from the Lord. Do we trust you? And, you know, some days that's easy and some days that's hard, but ultimately we do trust him. It's been one of those verses that we have visited over and over again just throughout our life that's been encouraging to our hearts as well as one that we've been able to encourage others with. Um, And just remembering that God is for us and He does do good even Mm -hmm. when it doesn't feel good in the moment. That's our life verse for this series. What's yours? Hey. Good morning, High Point. Good to see you. Good to see those of you joining online as well. I'm Ed Stetzer, teaching pastor here. And uh, we're talking about life verses. You already heard that in the introduction. We're talking about, uh, a lot of people like have that. Like actually, if you go like on some pages, like a church staff page or a ministry page, they actually say, you know, what's your favorite movie, which would be Field of Dreams? And then it would be, um, what's your life verse? People have a life verse. I actually have a life verse. I put it on there and then people... People, I don't know, people don't like my life verse, but it's, uh, it's, it's Acts 13. This is this, I'm not gonna preach on this today, but just to let you know, since the pastors have been sort of saying what their life verse was, mine's Acts 13, verse 36. And it says, it says this, for David, after he served the purpose of God in his generation, died, was buried, and his body rotted. That's actually my life verse. No, really, really, really truly is. It's, it's based on the idea that you do what the Lord wants you to do and then you move on and you're dead and you go be with the Lord. So I figure, you know, but I don't know. It's not like one you put on a plaque. It's not like one you memorize, right? So this is one that you put on a plaque. This is one that probably some of you have memorized here today. I used to work at a place called Lifeway. They had stores, including one in Donata. And in those stores, we'd sell plaques. And one of the best-selling plaques was the plaque that had this verse on it. So people love this verse because this verse means so much to so many. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28 today. We're talking about how when we trust God's promises, presence, provision, and purpose, even the hard things can become good things. And maybe that's what you need today. Maybe you've been laid off and you're asking, well, now what? Maybe you got an email from the doctor that says that he or she needs to talk to you, but there's something going on. You're like, now what? You have a child. Maybe you want to get pregnant. You haven't been able to, and you're dealing with the implication of infertility. You're saying, now what? Maybe you can't afford to pay the bills, and they keep stacking up, and you're saying, now what? Or you receive a message that someone's died that you love. Now what? And you discover your child maybe has been born with some significant health issues. Now what? Now, I want you to know a few things. I, too, have had those moments where the moment has hit and it's now what? What do we do? How do we find strength and comfort and hope in the midst of it? And for many Christians, this verse, 
becomes a verse they come back to over and over again, and rightfully so. It's a beautiful verse. It's one of those Mount Rushmore verses, the big names that we might put on a plaque or on a statue, but um, we're going to talk about how do we respond in these moments with worry, anxiety, fear, maybe anger, or with confidence, hope, and strength. So we're in a series called Life Versus Mount Rushmore Versus. This is the best of the best that kind that do get you through things. Today we're looking at a verse that helped uh, I'll talk about a little bit later on how it, become, it became a real key verse in a very difficult time in my life, but let's look at the verse first. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, this verse, I actually had the verse memorized in a different translation, so I remember it a little bit differently, so sometimes you'll hear me say a little differently wording of that, right? Just the just words are different places. But here's the sermon in a sentence right? When I trust in God's promises, presence, provision, and purpose, even the hard things of life become good things. Now, good is a word that's going to maybe be a little jarring for us at times, because I'm not saying it's good. You know, I, mean, I, you know, I was in a car accident. That's good. Thank God for that car accident. I'm, I, I'm, I think that's a little weird that people sort of act that way. Maybe they're just more faithful than I am, and I'm, I'm willing to that to be the case, but I'm not saying that at the moment we say everything is just great even when bad things happen. I think what it points to, though, is God's going to work those bad things for our good. And I think that's a promise that we're going to see here in the scripture as we walk through this text together. So we're going to break it down. We're going to break it down into four things, looking at the words as we walk through. Number one on our outline is when I trust in God's promises, we're going to focus on promises Right, even the hard things of life become good things. When I trust in God's promises, even the hard things of life become good things. There's four words in this verse that are key about the promise. It says, and we know that, and we know that. I'd like to ask you to say that out loud with me. Those four words, are you ready? And we know that. One more time. And we know that. So there's a confidence, there's a certainty, there's a deeply belief-held belief Right now, now why? Because, um, well, first things first, hard things have either happened in your life, are happening in your life, or will happen in your life. Now, I don't, I'm not trying to put anything negative on you, but you know this to be true. They've either happened, they are happening, or they will happen. James 1, another passage in the Bible, says to count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. It doesn't say if you encounter trials of various kinds, it says when you encounter trials of various kinds. We're, we're, we're a sinful people living in a sinful place. Trials are going to come. You don't have to live on edge in every moment thinking, oh man, here it comes. It just, it just happens. But God will give you the grace to walk through the difficult times, to walk the journey he takes you on in that moment. But where you turn in that instant could be this verse. It is for me. It is for me. Sometimes when I'm in a hard time, when I'm facing a difficulty, I will turn and walk and say, Lord, I know that you work all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is a key verse in my life. So there's so much power in Romans 8, 28 that even in the first four words, and we know that. Now notice the author here, his name is Paul. He doesn't have any hesitation. It's, and we know, we just know. <laughs> we know this to be the case. It's bold. I just had a little cough and I recognize that in 2022, everyone freaks out. So I, I did have COVID. I don't have COVID right now. Uh, I did have COVID. I had COVID. I went to New York City to preaching. I've been filling in at a church there's in a room just finishing that up. And I came home with Delta, which is like, yeah, if you're going to pick one, pick Delta. Uh, and uh, 
lost my taste and smell, still don't have it back. I mean, I wasn't as like whiny as Pastor Ron was going to the hospital and all that sort of stuff, but, but I was, uh, did I say that out loud? I thought that, Steve. Did I say that out loud? I'm just kidding. Don't send me letters. He had it really, really, really bad. And you guys know I was calling him like every day. He finally said, please stop calling me because uh, I care about him and I love him. But I, but I was, so I came home on December 22nd with COVID. So Merry Christmas. So, um, so I was upstairs. I was grounded. I basically felt like an adult male grounded by my family. And uh, so that, but so you'll notice a couple times I'll have a little cough now and then, but that was like two or three weeks ago. So all, so all good. No, no hesitation from the author here, right? It's, and we know that. We know it's assurance and confidence and hope of the promises of God. Even in the most devastating moments of our lives, the phrase is translated multiple times, to know. We know. We understand. We see. We get it. We remember. How powerful is that? We know that. And we need to know that. We know that some of you can know with certainty that the promise of God is true in Romans 8, 28. You say, Ed, you said some of you can't, all of us? Well, it actually has a condition to it, right? It's true because God who promised it to his people who love him to rely on the promise of God is to rely on the very character of God. He is declaring who he is and we can cling to that. That's why we declare and we know that. And we see this throughout scripture, right? We see things like in Deuteronomy 3.16, he will never leave you nor forsake you. We know that. We know in Isaiah 41.10, he will strengthen you and uphold you. We know that. And in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, he will guide you and direct you. We know that. So we can say with confidence and we know that the promises of God are true and this promise that God will work all things together for good to those who love God or are called according to his purpose, we know that they are true. To know the promises of God in our hardest moments is to remember the faithfulness of God throughout history and throughout our lives. It's so fascinating to me because I, just like you, I struggle sometimes and I get in a hard time, a difficult time, a hard season. I'm like, Lord, why? Why? And, and you know, and, and I, I get discouraged at times just like you do. And maybe I doubt at times just like you do. But this verse I keep coming back to. And I say, and I know that God is working all things together for good. Right? I love Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. It's a song. We've sung it here before at High Point. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So that's where we start this passage. It's not just some sort of platitude. Well, God, everything's going to work out. God's going to work everything out. That's not what this verse says. This verse is, and we know that. I trust God's promises even that even the hard things will become good things. Even the hard things will become good things. That's, that's I think, probably... It's not on your screen, but if you remember back in 1 Samuel chapter 7, we just came through the Christmas season, um, and we, you know, your Ebenezer Scrooge, we all heard Ebenezer Scrooge. Unfortunately, the word Ebenezer doesn't mean Scrooge. Um, it just happens to be the name that that person had. But in 1 Samuel chapter 7, Samuel led God's people after an incredible act where God fulfilled his promise to the Israelites, right? God had done this incredible thing, fulfilled his promise to the Israelites. He set rocks down to build a monument. I want you to miss this. He built a monument, and they, it's a monument of rocks, right? It's called an Ebenezer. So, so that's, that's where that word comes from. It's not the name in a, in a, in a Dickens Christmas carol, but it's, it's, it's an Ebenezer. It literally means a stone of help. That's literally what it means. So he wanted them to remember, Samuel wanted them to remember God's faithfulness 
and his promises, not just for a day or for a week or even for years, but for lifetimes, for generations to come. People would walk by that Ebenezer and say, yep, God was faithful then and he's faithful now. Now I get that landscaping plans have changed in centuries since then. You're not piling up rocks in your yard and saying God's, God's faithful. But this verse can be an Ebenezer for you. A certainty, right? Think with me on this, right? What do the people think every time they pass that Ebenezer? Uh, they, they, they thought God's faithful to them and to their children and to their grandchildren. And we can remember God's promises. They could say, I know and remember God's promises even in the face of the hardest moments of my life. So I get that it's easy to, you know, I, again, I used to work at this place called Lifeway and people would make fun of the verses on the plaques. But I remember when my mother, a new believer, went through some very hard times with the death of my sister. And these little plaque verses were the places that she'd come to over and over again and find peace and strength. Can you trust God when you come face to face with trials? You say, Ed, this got heavy fast. Those other life verses were much lighter than that. Yeah, but mine was about dying and rotting in a grave. So you expect it a little more serious. But the bottom line is trust. To have confidence to say, we know that means there's a deep layer of trust. It doesn't stop here because the next part goes hand in hand, leads into and deals with relationship. Let's go to number two on our outline. Uh, when I trust God's presence, right? We talked about promises. When I trust God's presence, we'll talk about provision and purpose in a minute. When I trust God's presence, even the hard things of life become good things. Uh, even the hard things of life become good things. Now, um, where does this trust come from? Where does this promise rest? Let's look back at the verse. Um, five words, for those who love God. For those who love God. Would you mind reading that out loud with me? Let's do it together. For those who love God. One more time. For those who love God. Now let's put it together with the first part. And we know that, say it with me, and we know that for those who love God. So there's a connection that's here. Um, do I love him because I can trust him or I trust him and that fuels my love? It's both. They feed into one another. The phrase here is um, setting up a promise for you um, and for me. But before we get to the promise, it's actually what we call in the Bible, or really anywhere, but the Bible calls it, we, we call it a conditional promise, right? It, it, it doesn't say that all things work together for good for just everybody. I, I grew up in an Irish household and uh, we, we believed a lot in like luck and fate, it appears. It's a common thing in my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents. Uh, I remember all the time, I'm saying, because we're Irish, we've got the luck of the Irish, right? So, well, it'll work out. We're, it's, it'll work, it all works out fine. It all works out in the end. It all works out for the good. I mean, I literally remember my, I think it was my great-grandma saying, well, it always works out for the good for us. We're, we're Irish. It's all gonna work out. And, and this is not what this verse is really saying. It's not talking about karma or fate or somehow the universe aligns, everything works out. What it's saying is because of God's love for us, the people who love God, that for them, right? So it's not, it's, it doesn't even, it's not even about talking about religiousness, right? It doesn't say for those that know more about God. It doesn't say for those who attend church. It doesn't say for those who give to a charity. It doesn't say those are decently pretty good people. It says for those who love God. So the question you have to ask is if this promise is for you is do you walk in an abiding? love for God. For the person who calls himself a Christian, the person who's in the back of the church or the front of the church or the first time or the person who's wrestling with who God even is, do you love God? Now, um, over, over Christmas, you know, I, I got sick with COVID, so I was grounded on Christmas. Um, and so my, uh, my daughters all came back home for school and they got to go back for school. So 
Um, so, you know, I couldn't give him COVID. One's got to go to Canada. She, she's going to Master's Green University of Toronto. So she, she can't cross the border unless she can get a COVID test. And, and, uh, and I recognize even saying these, some of you are saying, well, I've got opinions on that. Okay, calm down. I know you do. I'm just telling you what we had to do. So, um, so, um, so I was locked up on Christmas. You know, I went down for Christmas morning, put on a mask, said hello to everybody. But so I was just like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my girls, I got one daughter in California going to college, one in Toronto going to college, and I am gonna miss time with them. They came home for Christmas and I'm in isolation. And I wasn't real happy. And then we got the news that both of their schools delayed opening, which I was not allowed to be excited about, but I was excited about. Because then I'm recovered and I get to go hang with my girls who are home for Christmas and we get to do a do-over. Because I love them so much. I drove my, my middle child to the airport yesterday and flew her back to California and there was something in my eye and uh, you know, I didn't like it. And, but she's back in California to go to college where it's 73 degrees. Um, but there's something about, I love my daughters and being around them brings me joy. Well, that's the same way, actually, that God has spoken of. Now, just of a different magnitude, a different order, but look at Psalm 1611. It says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. Right? I feel that way with my kids, but how much more so when I love God? Right? Psalm 8410, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Right? It just describes the most loving relationship possible. Right? We, we want to walk in relationship. Do you long to be in God's presence? That's a love for God. Do you trust in his presence? There's a fullness of joy. That his presence is the best place to be. Do you have that longing? I lift up my eyes to the Lord, to the hills. From where it comes my help, it comes from the Lord. As I love God and trust and long to be in his presence, it's the best place. Then and there, the hard things can become good things. Because I know he's with me even in the hard situations. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't wish this on you, I don't wish this on anybody, but one of the things I've noticed, and I bet you have too, is some of the most godly people who just walk in the presence of the Lord have some of the people who have suffered the most. But in the midst of that, they've found a peace and a trust. Um, let me tell you a story of Pastor Chen. Uh, Pastor Chen was arrested in China, and he spent, um, in, in, and spent 18 years imprisoned. Uh, first in Shanghai, at a tiny cell with four others so small that uh, he couldn't lie down to sleep and, and move. And after three years in a labor camp with 60,000 other inmates, they wanted to crush his faith. His faith seemed uncrushable. They wanted to crush his faith. So the guards, faith guards placed him in a cesspool to clean it out so it could be used as fertilizer. Every day, Pastor Chen would be lowered into a stinking, putrid cesspool. Yet a huge smile would envelop his face. Uh, he shoveled out the vile waste matter uh, used it to be used as a fertilizer in the fields, he would begin to sing an old hymn. It goes like this, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. He walks with me and he talks with me and calls me his own. Now keep in mind, he's singing about the dew on the roses in a cesspool, a literal cesspool. He later said in an interview translated into English, he says, as I sang, I would feel our Lord holding me tight in his everlasting arms. At that very moment, the cesspool became my own private garden. You see, there was a wonderful blessing for me because it was the only time I was alone from the prying eyes of the guards, he said in an interview in Kumin, China. He says, I could now commune with God, praise his name at the top of my voice. I would recite scriptures that I memorized. I enjoyed the solitude of being alone with God. People wonder how I could keep my faith during those 18 years in prison in a labor camp. But I can say that God was with me during the whole time. I bear no ill feelings to those who put me there, even though there were many times I was ill-treated. How, how can someone walk like that? Something supernatural is at work, right, for those who love God. 
When you love God, you can have confidence that he takes those bad things and those hard things and can turn them into ultimately being used for good things. So when I trust God's presence, meaning when I love him more than anything, more than my circumstances, more than my situation, uh, when I love him more than what this world has to offer, when I trust that in God's presence, it's the best place to be even for the hard things, then those hard things can be turned into good things. You say, Ed, you don't understand my pain, and, and, and I get that, and I, I want to be real careful to you. I, I don't think this is the kind of verse that you bring to somebody in the midst of great suffering and pain. Uh, this, this, this is what happened to us when my sister died. She died of a rare form of cancer at 21, and um, we were believers, relatively new believers, and people who were trying to be helpful, who loved Jesus, would come up to us and say, well, you know, you know the, God works all things together for good. And what was a very meaningful verse, and it's a meaningful verse to me today, even in that situation, to my mother, even in that situation, was not at that time what we needed to hear. What we needed to hear at that time was more like Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. We needed to hear that God's presence was there. So I want to say to you, this verse is powerful, and it's powerful when you look back to it, and sometimes even when you're in it, but it can often be used in ways that dismiss the pain of others. Ironically, now I look back to that, and I don't know that I have all the answers. I, yesterday, I, was, I had on my radio show a, uh, an author by the name of A.J. Swoboda. He's written a book on doubt, which is really a helpful book. I really found out. We talked about this sermon, and we talked about my sister's death, and, uh, and we talked about in the midst of that, where you doubt God's goodness, and we were unsure, and now I look back and I still don't know. When I get to heaven, I know the Lord's gonna, it's gonna all be clear to me and I'm not, it's not clear to me now, but I do see how God used even that difficult situation for good in so many ways. I don't know how it all balances out on the scales of, of good and bad. I don't, I don't look back and say, I'm glad that happened. What I look to is say, God, I don't understand it all. I still don't understand it all. One day I know I'll understand it all, but here's what I know now. You are near and your presence is here. And his presence allows the hard things to create some good things. And that's always true. Now, what does that look like as we continue to move through this passage? Well, let's look at number three in our outline, right? So we've looked at number one, when I trust in God's promises. Number two, his presence. Number three is provision. When I trust in God's provision, even the hard things of life become good things. So let's look back at the verse, right? Let's look back at the verse again. Romans chapter eight, uh, verse 28 says now, all, yeah, I'm going to ask you to say it with my R and I. So let's do that together. Are you ready? All things work together for good. Let's say it again. All things work together for good. I know it doesn't say, you can't take that verse out. It's, it's an Irish proverb if you just take that verse out of the context. This is what my grandparents would have said. You know, all things work together for good. We're the lucky Irish. That's not what the passage is saying. There's a condition to it, it's conditionally placed, those who love God, and there's a confidence in faith, right? And we know that, so we're walking through this verse, right? So all things, though, this is key, all things, not some things, not most things, not occasional things, but all things. Now, all things work together for good. Not just good things work together for good, that's the difference, right? If, if you just have a folk saying, it's good things work together for good, no, all things work together for good. Remember those things I mentioned in the beginning? The job, the maybe infertility, or maybe your, your, your a sickness or a diagnosis or, or a marital, you know, all, all things, those things. Yes, those things too. Yes, those. Because I don't want you to think that the Apostle Paul, who wrote this verse, 
is sitting around thinking life is so easy. Um, he's got worship tapes playing in the background and not having to worry about anything, just loving Jesus all day. Let's, let's look at some of Paul's trials and compare. Let's take a look here. Uh, five times I receive at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. In other words, they whipped him. If they whipped him 40 times, they got to kill him. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and not the way you're thinking. It says three times I was shipwrecked. A day and night I was adrift at sea. I mean, I don't know, maybe some of these things have happened to you, but I'm pretty sure you weren't adrift at sea for a day and a half, right? On frequent journeys, in danger from, in case you didn't get it, this is not like, this is from the text. This is not me adding to it. Frequent journeys, rivers, robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers of the sea, danger for false brothers, in toil and hardship, many sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's daily pressure on me, on my anxiety for all the churches, and God bless you. Um, so how is this all working together for good? I mean, this is a whole bucket of bad things, all listed right here, yet God is working through these things. We get the word synergy from this. God is using the collection of every moment in our life to collaborate together for our good and his glory, his work, is providing for you in the midst of your trial, just like it did with Paul, which is why I can say, and you can say, I trust in God's provision, and therefore, even the hard things can become good things. He provides more of himself. He's providing you with front row seat to watching him move, him providing you with a deeper understanding of his comfort so that you can comfort others. Maybe we can be honest about the struggle for some of us. Me too, right? Usually the hard things in life are like a child screaming in his father's face. Why are you doing this to me? Don't you know how much this hurts? I thought you loved me. I thought you were supposed to protect me. And in the world in which we live where brokenness abounds, God's presence is always here. God's abiding love gets us through. We know that we can trust God's promises. For those that love God, we can trust God's presence. All things work together for good. We can trust God's provision. So how do you respond? So, and here's what I really want to encourage you towards. With anger, worry, anxiety, fear, or do I trust God? Uh, I, I believe we can see the bigger picture because he knows, I can say, God, you, you see the bigger picture. You know what I need. I believe you're at work in ways I can't even understand or fathom. I trust you. And that's what some of you just need to say right now in the words to your Heavenly Father. I trust you. This verse is, is not a verse that, eh, it's going to be okay. It's a verse of deep and abiding trust. I trust you. Number four, and finally, and we'll close with this. When I trust in God's purpose, right, we've looked so far, remember, at promises, presence, provision, now purpose, even the hard things of life become good things. Let's look at the back part of the verse. It says, for those who are called according to his purpose. Would you say it out loud with me? For those who are called according to his purpose. One more time. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I've had you read each part of that at least twice. Maybe you've noticed I'm trying to help you memorize the verse as you go. So let's try it again. <laughs> are you ready? Let's do it. And my problem is, because i got to look, because i got to memorize it in a different translation. So I'm, I'm the chief of sinners. Let's read it together. Maybe memorize it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good 
for those who were called according to his purpose. So what's God's purpose? What's his will for your life? His purpose for you and I, for you and me, is that we glorify him in all things. It's to make more, and us to be made more and more in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Actually, um, if you had your Bible, if you have your Bible open, it's fine. If you don't, I'm going to just read the next section. So right after Romans 8:28, we have that little section there. We're the verse that you know, the Mount Rushmore verses we've been calling these life verses. But following Romans 8:28 is Romans 8:29. It says, "For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, he also called." And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So God's got a plan for every one of us. Our lives belong to him. Our life is his to direct. And you know, it's, it's worth noting too, this is um, Sanctity of Life Sunday. And it's a reminder to us that our lives, the lives of those born and unborn, all deeply matter. And we live in a culture that is forgotten that throughout much of life, and certainly though for those who are not yet born. So this reminds us and points us again to this reality, those who are called according to his purpose. So God throughout our life is looking at the bigger picture. You only see this much, he sees it all, is working according to his purpose, not yours, not mine. So what? What's going on here that matters? We can read this, say that's nice, like it could be your, you know, like my family, an Irish proverb, but how do we live it? How are we gonna trust God like this in 2022. Sometimes the temptation is just, is just to go it alone. Let me be the first to say, you can't go it alone. As you're looking in 2022, I really want to encourage you that you need to be in a community of people like, like us here at High Point, like the small groups that make up the life and ministry, the backbone of discipleship and care at High Point, is that we've got to be in this together. Because the reality is, when you feel all alone, you know the Lord's there, but you also need God's people there on their journey with you. One of my favorite prayers that sort of relates to this is, and we talked a little bit yesterday on the radio show, um, is, because I wrote a whole book on doubt, a whole book on doubt, but it's in Mark 9, and it's a father who has a sick son. And Jesus kind of asks if he can do anything, and Jesus, uh, he asks Jesus if he can do anything, and Jesus responds by saying, if I can, if I can, um, all things are possible for one who believes and the, the father then cries out, and some manuscript adds with tears. But listen to what, it, what, it, what he says. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. I love that. I need that. You see, this is not a verse that is um, a verse that just kind of casually goes on. This is a verse that points us to the hard times. This is a verse that matters most to us when it doesn't seem like things are going. You don't need this verse when things are going great, like all things work together for good, yeah, and I'm living that right now. But in the hard time, we go back to, and we know that, that for those who love God or call to his purpose, all things work together for good. Now, here's the thing. If you're going through a hard time right now, this prayer of this, this man in Mark 9 may be the prayer you need. Say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Long conversation about doubting yesterday, so it's on my mind. I want you to hear this. There are times when I have doubted God's plan. I've doubted what God was doing. And Jesus is just so remarkably loving and patient to those who have doubted. I want you to hear that. 
Because this, this verse requires a bold faith that even in the midst of difficult times, he's gonna work this together for good. So what I wanna say to you today is, I don't know where you are on this. For some people here today, maybe you came to church because you're going through a hard time. And um, it's the difficulty of the moment that you say, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try religion. I'll see what these church people have. And I wanna say to you, this verse actually does refer to those who love God. And I wanna invite you into a relationship with a God who loves you and calls you into a loving relationship with him. And if you don't know the Lord, you can pray with me in just a moment and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I want you to be my savior, my Lord. I trust and follow you. And, and if you'll call upon it, if you'll say, and you might even say, I believe, help my unbelief, Lord. I've received by grace and through faith the good news of the gospel. This promise then applies even to you and your situation that maybe brought you here today desperate and broken. Maybe you're going through a hard time. And in the midst of a hard time, you're like, Lord, what are you doing? And, and the, the answer is, I got to tell you, I, I, I hardly ever see in the midst of it what God's doing. I can often, most of the time, see what God has done when I look back at it. But sometimes I still don't know the fullness of what he's doing, and I trust him anyway. So maybe that's you, and you can pray like that man in Mark 9, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe that all things work together for good to those that love you and are called according to your purpose. And maybe neither of those situations apply to you. It's a good season. You're walking with the Lord. And I say, thank God. But let's put this verse in our heart because that time will come. And during that time, we want to look and say, and we know that. To those who love God and called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. So I want to invite you to pray with me. Just remember, that the, end of the, ver- the end of the passage is simple. When I trust in God's promises, presence, provision, and purpose... Even the hard things of life can become good things. So I want to give us an opportunity to pray, to respond, to, to respond in obedience to the Lord and to believe even when we struggle with unbelief. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you this day um, in need of your grace and your love and your presence. And Lord, we ask that you might guide us for your namesake. Father, I pray for those who may be here today or watching online who don't know you, who couldn't say that they have this love for the Lord or have walked in the love that the Lord has for them. Father, I pray in this moment you might speak to their heart. Just with your head bowed, your eyes closed, just so you know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, people right now are praying for you here at our church. And if you don't know the Lord and you want to call out on him and trust him and follow him, just pray this simple prayer with me, just silently to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Savior. I follow you as my Lord. I receive your forgiveness and the eternal life you've given me. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for women, men, young people who just prayed that prayer, Lord, that you might, even in this moment, give them that extra measure of boldness to share that with one of us, but also to rest in a full confidence that now, that description, and we know that for those who love God now applies to them. Father, I pray for those who are in a trial right now, Lord, that you might help us in the midst of the trial to somehow have a supernatural understanding of your presence and certainty of your grace. Again, with your just head bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, I just wonder how many of you here would say, Ed, that's and that's me. I'm going through a trial. I'm really trying hard to say, Lord, I know you're working in the midst of them. You say, that's me right now. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. 
Lots of hands raised, yeah. It's a challenging time. Father, I pray for women and men, young people, just raise their hands. Father, I pray that you give them strength and grace. And, and Lord, if they need to pray like that man in Mark, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, help us to know that indeed you work all things together for good. And for all of us, Lord, every follower of Jesus, help us have this in the arsenal of our hearts so that when the hard times and the difficulty times comes that this verse becomes part of the battle plan to walk through that, to learn, to grow, to know, to become more like Jesus. Father, we thank you we can do this in community with other people. We thank you we can do this in community, Most, so many of us small groups at High Point and more. Father, I pray that this verse might not just be a verse on a plaque stitched into a fabric, but it might be written on our hearts and we can say with certainty we know that for those who love God are called according to his purpose all things work together for good for for our good for your glory and for the good of others Lord Jesus may you be glorified as we continue to worship today may you be honored in this place for your name and for your fame for it's in Jesus name and for his sake that we all pray amen and amen